Welcome to SignalCast. In this episode, our very own contributing writer, Jessica Montoya Coggins, spoke to the new Spanish press secretary with the Texas Democratic Party, Rafael Benavides, about his role at the party, feedback he has received from the Texas Latino community about effects of COVID-19, and how to engage Latino voters and Bernie supporters for the upcoming November elections. COVID-19 is having a disproportionate impact on Latinos in Texas. Uh, what are some of the things you are hearing from potential voters uh, in November as they are deciding between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? You know, Jessica, you are absolutely correct. does have a disproportionate effect on Latinos. Um, before starting with Texas, the Texas Democratic Party, I was the city of Laredo public information officer and spokesperson. So I dealt directly with COVID um, at a municipal level, and I was working directly with the county as well. But what we saw on the border and what we continue to see is that um, there's been a failed response from uh, the governor and from Donald Trump, from the president, uh, to deal with this crisis, not only on a national scale and state level, but specifically in the border. So on the border, we've known for a long time, we have some of the poorest counties in the state and in the country. Uh, We have some of the highest rates of comorbidities um, in the Latino population, and, and there's certainly a high percentage of people who are Latino on the border. There's some of the highest rates of people without health insurance and access to uh, health insurance. So um, that spells a perfect storm for what was going to happen with COVID-19, and we're seeing it now in the valley and uh, across the border um, where Latinos are dying, and um, you know they're getting very sick, and they don't have there's no room for them anymore. And one of my personal friends and I have, everyone has some of the stories down here is that, um, you know, like just this week, I had 10 people close to me uh, on Facebook. Everyone had someone, either their parents or their aunts or uncle um, that died due to COVID. Uh, and it's, it's horrible. It's, it seems like we're like in some type of post-apocalyptic world where we're just kind of becoming desensitized to it. And I also had another friend, um, it was her younger brother. They reached out to me when I was still working at the city. And they said, hey, we don't know where else to turn, turn to. Um, my brother is very sick. He has COVID. He was in his, he's in his 20s. Um, and she said, we went to one of the standalone ER uh, clinics here in Laredo. And they turned him away. And I said, why did they turn him away? You know, was he, was he having symptoms? Was, you know, yeah, he's having trouble breathing, whatever. And they said, they turned him away because he didn't have insurance. So I said, no, that's not right. So I said, is he having trouble breathing? Um, that's one of the main concerns. He said, yes. And I said, okay, is it something like where, you know, some people, they tend to think they have um, maybe anxiety because of, you know, what may happen in the future, what may be going on with them. She said, no, Rafa, he is gasping for air. I said, no, that's not good. Go ahead and go to the ER uh, at the actual hospital. Demand that you get seen, um, you know, demand that, you know, they have, they have some type of fund there for indigent care or whatever it may be. So they did and they saw him uh, and he was intubated immediately. He was there for a few days. And then she called him back a few days later and said, okay, Rafa, I need your help with something else. I don't know where else to go to. Um, there's a $250,000 bill for him um, just for those few days that he was there. And we don't have the money, obviously. So there's a number of things that are just attacking Latinos um, due to failed leadership at the state level and at the na- national level, where we don't have the resources even to begin to have a fair fight in this. Um, and then even when they see that we're dying, um, they don't provide the resources. We're, we I remember many times we made uh, star requests and calls to make sure that we get remdesivir, that we get doctors on here, that we get 
you know, resources that other places seem to get very quickly. And it just seems um, time and time again, we're forgotten or we're, you know, intentionally ignored um, by Republican leadership. No, that's very heartbreaking. And you are hearing stories, uh, you know, all around this state and it is uh, incredibly devastating. And um, I, um, you know, I know at The Signal, we're working on a lot of stories about school reopenings and that's a whole other frontier uh, in terms of students, families, uh, you know, teachers and employees that, that work in these communities. So as you're working now with the TDP, and uh, hoping to make a lot of change in November. Uh, I'm based out of Dallas. Uh, so in our area, we had uh, two great uh, representatives that flipped seats, uh, two uh, uh, Latinas who flipped seats in 2018 and Terry Metza and Ana Maria Ramos. Uh, they are both running for reelection. Uh, and now around us, we have some other Latino candidates, Joanna Cadenac and Lorenzo Sanchez up in Collin County. Uh, but overall, the demographics have just changed so much in North Dallas. Uh, so how are you sort of, uh, as you think about flipping these states, state house seats from red to blue, how are you engaging and working with the Latino voters uh, that are gonna help us do this? Sure, I think one of the things that we've taken for granted is we tend to think of all democratic voters as voting the same, having the same values and having the same um, you know, ways of voting. And for the most part, that's true, but when you really dissect it and go into the different groups and uh, different demographics, you find that it's, it's quite different. Even with Latinos, Latinos tend to be one of the most, even though we're one of the, the highest um, uh, percentage, percentage-wise, one of the highest uh, demographic groups in the state and in the country, we still seem to be one of the, the most understood groups. So even within the Democratic Party, we tend to think that Latinos will vote like every other Democrat. And, um, or they're, they're a monolith and they really aren't. So there's different types of Latinos, even within the state. There's people who have been here for countless generations. For example, my family has been in the area since the early 1700s. And that's a common story here on the border and in South Texas. Um, and then you have recent immigrants uh, that have, of course, different values, different concerns. Um, we are still all Latino, but even speaking Spanish sometimes, um, the, the way you speak Spanish or uh, how much of it you can speak it, it, even within our own community, that's one of the ways we can kind of like discriminate amongst each other in some way. Um, so I know when I was talking with Jonathan, who's one of our staffers at uh, the Texas Democratic Party, he helps to run Poder Texas, it's a social media group. And we're coming up with ways to kind of, you know, engage Latinos, especially in those areas where not, they're not traditionally Latino, but the demographics are changing, right? So I asked him, you know, how are you engaging and how are you um, writing the posts? And he says, well, so it, it depends. Like sometimes we have English, sometimes we have Spanish. And then he kind of said it in a way that was, you know, he said it in a way that, you know, he was a little bit embarrassed by it. But he said, and sometimes in Spanglish. I said, no, that's great. You know, in Spanglish, that's what, that's what we are in Texas, you know, uh, as Latinos. We're a mixture of all these things. Um, sometimes, yeah, people speak one language uh, better than the other. But if you can go combine the two in a successful way, that is amazing. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I was walking up the subway in New York and I saw an ad that says um, it was for vitamin water and they had replaced the vitamin part with Gayonda last night water. And I laughed so hard and um, a lot of people near me didn't really understand it. Of course, there's a lot of Latinos in New York, right? But it's one of those ways of advertising that unless you are completely bilingual, you won't get it. Um, and then there's also another ad here on the, uh, in South Texas 
uh, for another insurance company. It says pronto insurance, you know, faster than a flying chancla. And it reminds a bunch of Latinos of how they grew up, right? So if you don't get the reference to the chancla, and if you don't understand both languages, you won't understand that advertising. Um, but it, it goes to show you that there's a, a way to really understand people and, and to understand the culture and for Latinos to vote in the, uh, in the democratic election, to vote for Democrats, we really need to engage them. We need to engage them in a personal level and we need to continue engaging them. So it can't be someone who is, you know, uh, sorry to say, but it can't be someone who is white that studied in Chile, um, studied Spanish in a, in a different country who has the privilege of speaking to uh, other demographics from, um, you know, a different perspective. It has to be people who are from those communities. So people who are from DFW, who are Latino, who understand what people are going through. Uh, and that's what we're doing. So we have a lot of people. What's really good is that in the Texas Democratic Party, um, it looks, the actual staffers look just like Texas. So 40% Latino, very mixed. We have a bunch of people from different backgrounds within Texas. But yeah, it has to be, that's what our strategy is. We have to make sure that we are reaching out to people through phone banking, through text banking, um, through social media. We're engaging a lot with traditional media um, as well, as well as, uh, you know, more younger demographic type of media like TikTok. We just started a TikTok actually. Um, but there's different ways to, to, to you know, get through to Latino voters. But that's one of the things that um, I think we really need to focus on. It's engaging with them, with people who are from there and not just, you know, doing it during the uh, general election, but, you know, having that sustained uh, type of relationship that we really need to make sure that they stay within the party. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Shankla, and that brings back many memories. Most of them very not good. So. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of us it isn't, but it's a way of understanding. Um, you have to use those type of references to make sure that you let people know, you know what, it's not, you know, we're not someone, some, uh, we're not someone that's just kind of wearing a mask, speaking Spanish and talking about immigrant rights. We know the people who are here in Texas. We know there's a very diverse group of Latinos that have a lot of different um, things at play that, that are very important to them. One of those things is family. In, in our culture, family is very important to us. That's one of the main reasons why on the border, um, discussing COVID earlier, it was very hard. Um, I know I was speaking with the council members and our, our public health authority, and we're saying, why is it, you know, we're having these uh, clusters of people that keep getting together for what we call carne asadas, um, you know, barbecues, um, every day, every type of event, whether someone gets an A on the report card or, um, you know, someone uh, gets a new job, whatever it is, there's, there's always an excuse to get together. Uh, and getting together for us, is not necessarily like, you know, just the, uh, you know, brothers and sisters, or you might invite a neighbor over. It's the aunts and uncles and cousins and second cousins or whatever. So before you know it, it's like a group of 60 people in your house. And that's the way we live. And that's the way we, we enjoy um, each other's company. So even it's one of the things, one of the reasons why Latinos, um, there's a lot of pressure for them to stay home, to take care of their family, to take care of other people, other, um, other members of their family as well. So it's, it's discouraged for a lot of them to go uh, farther away to, to go to college, to get a job, or they're going to leave that family unit. But going back to COVID, it's very hard to tell people who that's all they really do and they cherish, they really cherish family and family values. You can't get together. You cannot see each other. Um, you cannot celebrate together um, because there's a, a threat out there and the threat is very real. And, and going back, turning it into, you know, outreach for Latinos in the Democratic Party, we really need to treat it like a family. Um, and family sticks together. Family, we don't forget about each other. 
um, and we have to have that constant contact in a way that they can understand. Now, um, you made an earlier point sort of about uh, Latinos in Texas not being a monolith. Uh, and in the March primary, which feels like centuries ago, um, sort of pre-COVID, uh, many younger Latino voters actually gravitated towards Senator Sanders. Um, so how have you been working with, uh, you know, those uh, former uh, supporters of his and making sure that they stay engaged uh, through November and then beyond? Sure. Well, I don't have to go very far, Jessica, because actually I was one of them. Um, I did go for, for Senator Bernie Sanders, and I do believe in a lot of his principles. And um, it's like he said, the movement doesn't end with him. It, 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 you know, it's, it's all about, it's about all of us. So part of being a Democrat is understanding that, yeah, sometimes the person that you want uh, originally is not the person that's chosen, but you have to support the candidate, whoever it may be. And we're stronger together than we are separate. Um, so yeah, I understand completely. I, those, a lot of those principles called out to me because as I live here on the border, as I've grown up here, I've seen a lot of injustices. I've seen a lot of, you know, I, I question all the time, why is it that, you know, our city, our county, our area doesn't have the same things that other places in the state have. It just seems that, you know, we're always left out on everything. Um, and it kind of, it does something to us. We, granted, we do have a history over here of corruption with uh, local officials, but that can go back to a, a number of uh, different reasons. So I think that also contributes to the fact that Latinos kind of think, for the most part, um, a, a lot of times, uh, that things are the way they are and it's not gonna change, right? But we have to change that. We have to make sure that we change that for them. So yeah, um, for those who were going for Bernie Sanders, they have to understand that the same fire that they have to change things, to make um, you know, healthcare more accessible for everyone, to make the world a more equitable, more um, you know, equal place for everyone, that is resonating within the Democratic Party. Um, and it's not with any one candidate, it's within the Democratic Party and we are stronger together than we are uh, separate. So yeah, those are, those are issues and, and a lot of them tend to be angry about what happened, um, but we need to reach out to them. So we reach out to them and we say that, you know what, uh, we have a way of going forward together. We, at all costs, you know, um, we, can, we have to make sure that Donald Trump does not win. And we have to put more people like us into power to make sure that we do see a change. So I do understand um, those concerns. And for a lot of younger Latinos, yeah, they, they seem to, what was good about that campaign is that they actually reached out to a lot of younger people. And we tend to think to reach out to um, more traditional voters, uh, and we leave those younger people behind who have actually gone through different things. I'm just, I know I'm rambling on a little bit, but I'll give you one example. So I graduated in 2009 and I studied journalism, um, but in 2009, and I was actually interning um, in New York, and I asked uh, the senior vice president of the UN Nations uh, or UNICEF, uh, yeah, for UNICEF, I asked, we were asking, um, what can we do to, you know, kind of make sure that we have a good career? Where do we start off from? What do you suggest? Um, you know, just kind of like pointers as we actually graduate from, from college and start the, you know, life in the real world. And she was eating a sandwich and I remember she just kind of like looked at us and finished, you know, uh, taking the bite of her sandwich and she put it down. She said, mm, you know, you all are just graduating at a really bad time. And she had nothing good to say for us. Um, and that's really been the experience because in 2009, you know, we had the economy collapse. Um, and it seems for a lot of younger people who are really starting out their, 
their lives, it really never got better. We were waiting for that round again for the economy to get better and then something else happened. And we're waiting for something else to happen, you know, for things to get better, for us to have a better chance so we can afford houses and jobs and, um, you know, a, a good quality of life the way that our parents did. And it, seem, it doesn't seem to happen for us. Um, so I, I understand the frustration, but we need to do a better job as a Democratic Party to reach out to those younger people who are frustrated and make sure that that passion translates into votes and to change. Yeah, no, especially, um, you know, uh, in this in this day and age, there are going to be uh, many uh, young people, young adults that are, are going to, uh, you know, really need us uh, to work together to to make sure that they they all they too also have that quality of life uh, that many of us millennials also uh, have have not been able to see. Exactly. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, Raphael. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share with us about the TDP going forward and uh, about the engagement uh, with Latino voters? You know, I'm really excited because our chair is actually Hispanic and he's from the border. A lot of the people in communications and in, in high roles in the Texas Democratic Party are Latinos from Texas. Um, the state director for the Biden camp is uh, Rebecca Acuna. She's also from a Latina from the border. Um, so I'm really glad that the, uh, the Democratic Party in Texas looks just like what Texas looks like. And it's giving the opportunities to people who have not had that, that opportunity before. So yeah, we, we really put our money where our mouth is. Um, and we're changing uh, not only the party, but we're trying to change the demographic as well, make sure that we have the right people um, leading the cause and leading the change that we want. Thank you for listening to The Texas Signal. The podcast was edited by Sara Thugvi. To find out more about who we are and what we do, please visit our website at thetexassignal.com.